You are listening to the One of Us.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series, which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today, and join in the fun now, because Delicious Volume 2, Yum Yum Yum, is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. Stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the what? No, just just me. Am I the only one? Okay. Look, it's right in the name of the finale title. Come on, guys. Deep in the heart of Texas. Just I, just because I was born in Texas doesn't mean I'm necessarily proud of that, given my identity. <laughs> I waited my entire life. I never thought I would see the day where we would have a Tejano in a Star Trek show, and then he turns. It, and then it, okay, we're not going to go full spoiler, but it just didn't turn out the way I wanted. I, I was a little disappointed. But hey, you know, joining me are some real buen amigos. Harmony. Hola, como esta? <laughs> That's the best, best I can do. Sorry. I am actually a quarter Mexican. I cannot speak a lick of Spanish. So there you go. <laughs> That's okay. Also with us, Elliot. Hello, hello. I'm not even going to try. I, my Spanish is terrible. <laughs> and of course, Jordan. Donde esta la biblioteca? There, that's <laughs> there's that bit done, and we worked our bit. That's all the jokes, guys. It's a review about a comedy show. There will be no more laughs from here on out. It's now deathly serious. Packing up. <laughs> we are, of course, reviewing the latest season of Star Trek Lower Decks, the Star Trek show for obnoxious Star Trek fans who actually have a fucking sense of humor about themselves. <laughs> Yes, we exist. I know if you're not a Trekkie or a Trek fan, you might go, man, Trek nerds, those guys are the worst. But okay. first off, it's Trekker and not Trekkie. <laughs> Trekkie, Trekker, what have you. Look, I dated someone named after a DS9 character. I think that shows how deep my fucking commitment is. That just shows me how young you are. You know, I'm like, if I dated anybody named after a DS9 character, they would be old enough to be my child. And that's just wrong. Uh, but boy, we're going to talk a little bit about DS9 too, because uh, again, if you are familiar at all with the prior seasons of Star Trek Lower Decks, you know it is just 
chock full of Easter eggs and references, deep cut, some obvious, some very deep, uh, references to all past iterations of Star Trek, and boy, do they enjoy poking fun at themselves. But we do have a kind of narrative overall. Uh, we are rejoining our Lower Decks uh, crew from the prior seasons. We've got Mariner back, Boimler. We got Rutherford back, Tendy's back. And we even see a few characters from prior seasons I did not expect to return. And yet here they are. And it starts right off where season two ended with Mariner's mother, Captain Freeman, uh, under suspicion for having destroyed the Packlin homeworld. And then that gets wrapped up pretty quickly. <laughs> In the most... In the most lower decks way, and I will say, I also feel like that premiere was made for me, given how I'm on record saying, like, I'm a big uh, TNG fan, but also I really fucking love Star Trek First Contact, and this uh, this whole episode just felt like, did I write this in my sleep? Because I kind of feel like I did. Where there's a Zephyrum Cochran first contact theme park. Yes. In Montana. Which, by the way, I do want a commemorative Cochran cap. I do want that. You sound, sound like you're saying Cochrane, and that's going to be a completely different show. I'm just going to have to say. <laughs> oh, Jesus. If you misheard that, DM Jordan, do not send it to one of us. You know, <laughs> no, we, we don't want any more talk. confusion over there that we already have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my at, at Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I know obviously Jordan loves this season. I probably have given you the impression that I liked it too. Elliot, what were your feelings about this latest season? I mean, I'm right there. I love this quite a lot. It is It is absolutely filled with Star Trek lore and in-jokes, which which is weird considering this is supposed to be canon, really, and like kind of, I don't know, not too long after TNG and DS9. Um, but yeah, this is a great show. I am pretty familiar with Star Trek. I've seen uh, original series TNG and DS9 all the way through and a little bit of the other ones. So there's probably some jokes that I missed just because this thing is, is wall-to-wall references. But yeah, I had a really great time. Um, this is exactly what I want out of a show like this, just poking fun at all the little great things about the Star Trek universe. and, and, and... But it does it with such love. Like, it's not yeah. coming mm-hmm. from a bitter, mean-spirited place at all. It's right. coming from a genuine love of the material and the worlds that just makes it really endearing to watch it's goofy it's it's fun it's also super exciting and theatrical it's 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 a great animated show that is kind of keeping the the love and respect i have for star trek alive agreed uh and i do agree with harmony although i will say i do really like this season i still think season two is my favorite because i feel like this season kind of stalled a bit to get out of the gate a little bit i fit I, you know trying to build up and there were also some plot lines i felt like i could have handled a little better Ma- namely mariner and jessica i feel like i got strung along on that as uh because i'll let you on a little secret if you want lesbians to watch something you just put lesbians in there just say we're in there and <laughs> 
will just be right there. But aside from one episode, there isn't much development on that. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And I think that's a note for the season as a whole. There's a lot of storylines that get very rushed. Even the finale, which we've kind of had some build up to. But it's basically a two-parter. And it ends pretty quickly in a way that feels not almost... I don't want to say anticlimactic. It just felt very rushed. And I thought, you know, they, they could have seeded this a little bit more throughout the season because you kind of forget some of these storylines. That being said, there's also some really great standalone episodes. And every once in a while, you're watching a show and you think, damn, this is the best episode of this entire series. And then the next episode, you go, no, 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 this is the best episode of the entire series. Lower Decks Season 3 had two back-to-back episodes like that, which was the Here All Trust Nothing, which is a loving return to DS9, literally returning to the DS9 space station. And then after that, we got a mathematically perfect redemption, which brought back one of my surprise favorite characters, Peanut Hamper, the Exocomp. And if you don't know what an Exocomp is, an Exocomp is one of the most ridiculous yet endearing designs in all of Star Trek. Imagine if a gaunt droid fucked a dreidel and, well, okay. Uh, honestly, it looks, it honestly looks more like a Pirinola from a Tomatodo game, an old Mexican game, but I figure dreidel uh, is a lot less obscure. But yeah, it's a ridiculous looking character. And yet, it has an entire episode devoted to peanut hamper and the lower deckers are barely in it. Like an overarching episode. Like it's like very... It, it is. It's about peanut hamper. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but that episode, I think, was the highlight of the season for me. Actually, I think the episode after was the highlight. Honestly, the highlight of the series for me. My new favorite episode of Lower Decks is Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus, which <laughs> I was kind of weary about because the first Crisis Point episode, which was basically Mariner's Holodeck Therapy yes. and also Boimler's wet dream of ranking up in Starfleet, but this took it to a whole different level, a, a much better level, like so much great character development for both Boimler, and my personal favorite character, Devani Tendi, who is... Tendi is amazing. Who is very much the overly enthusiastic, autistic, at least that's how I'm reading it, Starfleet nerd, and also has a great TOS cameo. I'm not going to say who, but it does have an amazing TOS cameo near yes. the end. Crisis Point 2 was really quite a good one, but I think I think probably here all trust nothing the 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 DS9 episode was really I think my my favorite. Um you know, unfortunately they can't get the entire cast back. Uh some have passed away, some have retired from acting, but I I also loved it because I think of the sort of background character in the, characters in the show, um, Lieutenant Shax, who is this big, hulking, like, Bajoran veteran, is one of the most I could see crossing over into the, like, more serious shows in a way. The, the, the way they bring him uh, into the sort of DS9 universe worked really well and, and made sense for him, this character that knows Kira, but has never been mentioned, you know, in any of the times that we've seen her. I do agree. I I wish we did see a little more, but 
Then again, uh, getting Armin Shimmerman back as Quark yes. and my personal favorite Trek character after Picard, Nana Visitor as Kira Niers, still running DS9, which I always thought it was like, yes, that's the perfect ending. She should still be running a very tight shot. And she is, even with an all Bajoran security team, which I thought. Sp- you know, really spruced up that tacky Cardassian fascist eyesore. <laughs> I don't always laugh out loud when I'm watching a comedy, even though I'm enjoying it immensely. But yes, when as soon as we got that perfect recreation of the opening of DS9, I laughed out loud. Yeah. I'm like, I see what you're doing. You're just recreating the opening and looping it over and over. Like, <laughs> looking at the pylons. <laughs> yeah. Just keep looking at the awe-inspiring pylons. <laughs> Although those are very nice pylons. Yeah. And yeah, I love that moment of time where the DS9 theme is playing and the Bajoran wormhole opens up. All right, I will say, I did like the finale. I really did. I thought it did bring together all the little sprinklings of the sto- of a connected storyline together. Even though, like, I could kind of piece it together of where it was going to lead, I still had a fun time getting to that point. It felt rushed because I liked the idea of Beckett Mariner saying, you know, screw Starfleet, which is something she's been threatening to do since season one. Mm-hmm. And then she runs off with Aberdeen, who's this sort of Indiana Jones, Lara Croft, Dr. Afra type archaeologist character who's up to no good and seems perfect to be a, a, a partner in crime for Mariner. And then she's like, wait a minute. Nah, I'm just going to go back to Starfleet. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, we, I wanted a whole episode of them doing stuff. That was actually good character development for Mariner to actually realize... Maybe she does see something in Starfleet. Again, I just thought the character development this season was fucking phenomenal. Across the board. Like, what happened with Rutherford and Boimler. Even Tendi finds a new career path. She started off as an engineer, then became a doctor, and then she's like, Hey, I could be a captain. I absolutely love that for Tendi. But also, especially Boimler. Uh, I, I really loved his... Bold Boimler. Bold, Bold Boimler. <laughs> like I said, Crisis Point 2 is my new favorite episode. Going boldly into extracurricular activities. <laughs> although, although maybe I also enjoyed it because of his being so oblivious to every woman on the Boimler vineyard hitting on him. That was so perfect. Oh my god. That was an, another laugh out loud moment. The raisin vineyards, like, oh, you like wine? They're like, no, we're not that kind of vineyard. I, I even love the, I even love the fake out of him wearing what the the same vineyard outfit Picard did in all good yes. things. I mean, they played that gag twice. Where they're like, oh, it's Picard. No, it's not. It's you know? and it, it was still funny every time. Oh, yeah, of course, because again, this works because. Fans expect certain things, and when we see certain iconography, as soon as you see a vineyard in Star Trek, you think Picard. You see a horse farm, you think, oh, Kirk's here. And it really knows how to push our buttons and does it in a way that doesn't offend the fans or speak down to us. It's, like Harmony said, it's all done with love and respect, and it's just an acknowledgement that Star Trek fans... You know, we know how dopey this show can be sometimes. We know sometimes things didn't work really well because of budget or time. And now we laugh at it. You know, bring the exocomps back. Yes, they look silly. So what? That's a classic design. Let's go with it. And frankly, uh, just uh, as an old fan, I find that really uh, 
really satisfying. Normally, I would not say this, but I think a show has to stand on its own if it's just Easter eggs and lore and like, oh, I know that thing. You don't want to be pandered to. Yeah, I I think you, I think anyone could enjoy this show, but I think it is made by fans for fans, first and foremost. Well, it's like this kind of contrasts with something like um, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, which is also chock full of references right down to the script being stolen beat for beat almost uh, and that movie is hot garbage um, hot garbage just absolute hot garbage and that is also made by fans although that's debatable if you look at what jj abrams has said in interviews um but this is as you said done by the fans and that that really is what makes the difference is people who are approaching this from a a loving point of view I, I mean, I still think the best Star Trek comedy of all time is Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that threads that needle of poking fun at something that all the fans know about, and yet still letting us in on the joke. It's letting us in on the joke, and it's not poking fun at us, right? Yeah. So that's where the line is. The fans don't want to be made fun of. We want to be in on the joke. We want to be there laughing with the creators and the cast. And I think this does it really well. I absolutely agree. Although, are we forgetting the true Star Trek comedy masterpiece that is The Final Frontier? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, that movie is hot-ass garbage, but it did ask the question that's been on my mind my entire life, and that is, what does God need with a star show? (laughs) Thank you. I mean, look, he's God. He's a busy man. He doesn't have time to just walk. I mean, you know, sometimes he wants to ride in style. He gets tired. I mean, hey, sometimes, you know, God just needs to chill back and have a hot banana from the replicator. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's pretty clear that we like this show. Uh, no surprises there. I will say, uh, I, I do think this is the weakest of the seasons. But that's still just by comparison. I mean, because the other ones were so good and the novelty of it was still so fresh, I do think some of the character work is finally paying off. I just wish the narrative had been structured a little bit tighter. But again, it's they're walking that fine line of, well, we're continuity, we're getting character development, we're moving the story forward, but we're also just fun standalone episodes. And sometimes they pull off that balance and sometimes they don't. No, I fully agree. Uh, we get season, but it's still like, that's still going to be some of the most fun I have watching any TV show. Because I know I'm going to be guaranteed at least one good laugh each episode, but also, also kind of... Having fun. Okay, I will say the first episode, while great, was a little too Easter egg heavy, but like that's the least complaint I have because I do enjoy finding like what's the most deep cut reference we can get with each episode from like, oh, hey, let's. Uh, briefly mention Kelsey Grammer's character from fucking Yesterday's Enterprise <laughs> to. <laughs> to, 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 to to having, oh, that's creation uh, hot sauce. And I believe at one point Rutherford is wearing one of uh, Jake Sisko's sweaters. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it could have been a little more asymmetrical, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the 80s. It was the era of weird asymmetrical design and Cosby sweaters. I mean, it was a perfect confluence of horrible influences. I mean, I mean that I mean, that sweater and the brain ships. What, what, what's up with that? <laughs> 
Well, before we get too much further, because, uh, I mean, to talk about it any further, we would just end up spoiling it. And if you haven't watched it yet, if you're even remotely interested uh, in Star Trek, if you've already seen the other two seasons, yeah, I think you should watch this. I think you're going to enjoy it. But let's start going into our final thoughts. Harmony, would you kick us off, please? Engage. Um, <laughs> I will say that, yeah, this is probably the, the weakest of the, the seasons that have come out so far, but it's still really good television. You know, even if it's, if it's, if it's the weakest set of some, like you said, something that was just so well done before, it's still like up there. It's still like at least an eight on my, on my part. Um, I think even if you don't, if you're not, a trekker or somebody who's really into star trek or anything like that this is this is just a fun show and if you just have like kind of a passing knowledge of star trek it's a fun show i'm really am looking forward to the next season the voice acting's great the animation is great uh i like it when they kind of do when they were doing like crisis point and you get kind of like the the film artifacts in the animation i was just like I, I i love it when when shows do stuff like that this is great so i'm gonna give this an eight out of ten surprising green pirates <laughs> elliot yeah um pretty much echo all of that i think this is the weakest season but again that it's it's still a very good show especially if you're a trek fan like a, a pretty big one um, I agree with Harmony, you know, it's it, it's good even if you just have a passing Star Trek knowledge, but this is really, people who know Star Trek a lot are really going to get a lot out of this. Yeah, great animation this season, uh, things are starting to pay off, I wish they would pay off a little bit more, I think things got a little, um, maybe, maybe things were a little too episodic this season, and I just wanted a little bit more connective tissue. Um, I agree that Mariner's relationships were probably the most underbaked part of the season and should have been brought forward some more. But there was just a lot of fun to be had. They, the Deep Space Nine episode was practically something I think fans were clamoring for, uh, and they, it really paid off. I I love this. I'll be continu- continuing to watch it. It's my second favorite of the new Trek shows after Strange New Worlds. Um, see my review for that on one of us. J- just can't wait for the next season. I'm going to give this 8.5 out of 10 personalities trapped in your cybernetic implants. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Jordan? That's just a Tuesday on Starflight. <laughs> uh yeah, I will yeah, I will say, just to cover my uh flaws real quick, yeah, the whole uh Mariner Jessica relationship I felt like was really underdeveloped and could have been there there could have been so much more done there, especially with how hesitant Mariner was about it at first. But like I said, they only really got one good episode. Out of it, and now it's as the subplot in the DS9 episode. Yeah, once you put the pieces together, it does seem to be a bit predictable what the long form story is, but it's still great to watch. This was a this was a good season overall. It really was, and yeah, the DS9 return, like DS9 is an amazing show, but it's been so underrepresented in the whole grand scheme of things in Star Trek. So to finally have this, and to finally have it pay off well with such a great episode, was just fantastic. There are so many great lines, so many deep cut references. Like, did anyone expect Leia Brahms to show up again? I sure as hell didn't. <laughs> no. Uh, it especially as a hallucination again. We've really got to talk about that. What the hell? <laughs> Uh, it's a really fun, enjoyable season, full of great characters, great stories, just 
great moments. Uh, I really can't recommend it enough. And yeah, I would say if you're not that big a Trek fan, I would say like Lower Decks is a safe place to start, but it is also a great place, you know, for us, just major Trek nerds. So I'm going to highly recommend it. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 Bajoran ear cuff rings. Nice. <laughs> I like it. it's very 90s. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> To kind of echo something that Elliot said, th- this is also my second favorite Trek that came out this year. I mean, if you ask me what the best Trek show going on right now, yeah, I'd say it's Strange New Worlds. But as far as like just for pure enjoyment, yeah, it's Lower Decks. But to answer something that Jordan said, if you're new to Star Trek, especially if you're on the younger side or you have younger viewers in your household... If you really want to start off on a Trek series that is new and also animated and has requires no knowledge of Star Trek whatsoever, Star Trek Prodigy is a great little option there. It's much better than I think people might realize. I just had to throw that out there because I don't think we ever talked about it or reviewed and it. The and the new episodes that just start. Yeah, and it's, it's a little gem, uh, but I'm not going to get derailed on that. Uh, check it out if you have any opportunity. As I said before, I think this is the weakest of the three seasons. There's a lot of plot stuff that I would have liked to have been tighter or spent more time with some of the characters. We get those little bits of character development, but they kind of just feel like they're inserted without always having been built up to properly. But still, it's hard to complain when you're laughing so much and having such a great time. What I really love about this new era of Star Trek, both with Prodigy and Strange New Worlds and even Lower Decks, is that it actually loves Star Trek. And I feel like that hasn't been around for a while. Even though they're taking the piss out of it and poking fun at it, uh, the love of Starfleet and the Federation are still there. And that's kind of Mariner's journey for these past three seasons, going like, I rebel against my parents because they're high-ranking Starfleet officers, but I'm Starfleet to the core. And, you know, now that she's made that discovery for herself. I'm curious where they take the character from there. Because I'd love to see her as a captain. I'd love to see all of these characters show up in live action. Maybe not being as goofy as they are within this the context of this show, but it could happen. I mean, we are going to get that soon enough. I look forward to the day it does. Uh, I need me some uh, Tendi uh, Orion in live action. I'm going to give this 7.5 out of 10 Alamo souvenirs on a space age mantle. <laughs> Why just let it go? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if like Jordan, you tell me how you feel about this. If you finally were waiting for a Star Trek character to be a lesbian and then the lesbian turns out to be a bad guy at the end, wouldn't you feel a little pissed off? I'm like, finally, a Tejano, a guy who looks like me. He's from my neighborhood. He looks like my dad. Oh, he's the... You know what? I'm not going to spoil anything any further. I'm going to let it go. I mean, odds are I'd still be attracted to her because <laughs> uh lesbian and also, I don't know, mean ladies just do it for me. <laughs> what, are you, what are you, my hollow therapist? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would be, but unfortunately, we no longer take money. So that's why I am the world's poorest hollow therapist. Oh. Look, I wouldn't have gotten all those student loans if they had told me that we don't take money in the future for <laughs> services. Look at you trying to understand how money works. That's cute. <laughs> how does money work? Who knows? 